Church, uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah 4, and uh, uh, as you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of, of uh, a background of, of why I chose this text, and uh, of course we're not in Colossians, I apologize about that. It's not Pat's fault, it's my fault for not getting her, the text to her correctly. So, it's in Nehemiah, not Colossians. Um, but several years ago, at my previous church, uh, we were doing a study through Nehemiah. During that time, um, you know, I was, I was the bivocational youth worship leader. We loved where God had us. But as we began through this study, it became clear that God was speaking to us about change. Change that was both exciting and scary. See, Nehemiah is about a man who had a burden for his city and a longing to return and help build the walls that had been torn down by the enemy. It was through that that Holly and I began to, um, we began to feel like God was calling us back home to Iron City. Long story short, here I am, right? See, my hope is through this text and Nehemiah that you will see my passion and you will join us as we continue to build up others, our church, in the kingdom. Let's stand this morning and read Nehemiah 4. We're going to start in verse 6 and finish out the chapter. Verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the walls was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sembelet, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward, and that the breaches were, being, were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By, our, by ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near, the, near them came from all directions and said to them ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest part of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From, the de from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held their weapon with the other. And, and each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me and, and I said to, to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Amen. 
So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> our pastor is right. It's a lot hotter right here in the center section than it is. Uh, and I'm a big guy, so it's <laughs> be taking lots, lots of drinks of water. I'll be like Jared. Anyways, all right. So the first thing we see here in chapter four is that we must, that there must be prayer as we rebuild the wall. Now, this morning we're going to be talking about walls a lot, uh, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be confused or uh, step on the line here. I'm not talking about Trump's wall, okay? We're not going to talk about that. And I know I probably shouldn't have said that, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. We're not talking about those kind of walls. Um, we're talking about uh, the walls in the MI, and then of course we're going to talk about spiritual walls as well, and, the, and personal walls. So the first thing we need to do is, but, but as we build the walls, is there must be prayer, right? So at my previous job, which was last week... Uh, Sorry, I had to put that in there. Andrew, I love you. Okay, so uh, my previous job, uh, we got to go to different houses of worship. And we got to um, do, uh, do installs. And, and so we, we were there at weeks at a time. Uh, and what I would notice, most large churches that we would visit, and this is not every time, this is most of the time, but most large churches that we would visit, they would have people that come in uh, throughout the day. Uh, sometimes it was one or two. Sometimes it was a whole group of people. And they would come. And, and gather in this room, close the door, and uh, just pray. And so as I, as I came by throughout the day doing different tasks, uh, I would kind of overhear them praying. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't just they were praying for their pastors uh, or their congregation, but they were praying for their community. They were praying for the staff, for the congregation, for the people that are going to be in the seats that Sunday. And um, so... And, and this just wasn't older people. This wasn't younger people. Um, this was people of all ages. This was people of all ages in the church. Little kids, youth, adults, more seasoned adults, as we like to say it, right? They would all come together and they would pray. And, they would, and it wouldn't just be meaningless prayers. It would be prayers of the community and the church. Now, I'm not saying... How we don't do that here at Iron City. That's not what I'm saying. But what would happen if we prayed more? What if prayer was the first thing we did instead of the last? What if it was something we did before something went wrong? Or before something bad happened? Instead of it being our last resort. I'm not just saying this to you, church. I'm not because uh, I find myself in the same situation as well. I'm preaching to myself. As bad as I hate to admit it, I find myself each morning almost praying almost the exact same thing. Uh, I'll go through a list of people or I'll go through uh, the church or, or the sick or my family or my son or my wife. 
And, and, it, and it's almost like, and of course my wife's back there, you know, she'll, she'll admit to this, but like, even when we, we, we pray at night, I, I find myself almost like an, a, a mundane prayer of, God help Mason get to sleep so we can all sleep. <laughs> and it's, but at the same time, it, I'm, 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 I'm looking at, at my wife and my son and I'm like, you, you idiot. Like, be praying for, for God to speak to your family. Be praying for God to strengthen your son, for, for your son to be a godly man, for your wife to be a godly wife and, and, and a, uh, a supporter of me and, and, and myself, to, for me to be a godly dad and a godly father and a godly husband. And I skip that. I skip it. But it's almost like I just, I go through prayers and I just say, check, I did it, I prayed. This is not right. You know, prayer should be an essential part of the Christian life, not some mundane thing we do or say to say we did it. Edward Bond says, the Christian soldier, if he fights to win, he must pray much. You know, verse 8 says this, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. What does verse 9 say? And we prayed to our God and set guard as a protection against them day and night. They didn't set guard before. They prayed because they knew that God was fighting for them. Because church, God is fighting for us. You see, you have to think about Nehemiah in this text. A little bit of background, but they were, they were surrounded by all sides. This was not just um, one side or one gate, but uh, they were surrounded by everything. They were surrounded by everywhere you looked, there was enemies. They had to trust God. If you looked out, you were building, and building the wall, you would have seen the enemy all around you. See, they, weren't just, they were not just planning to attack one side or one gate. They knew where the gaps were in the wall. And that's why Nehemiah placed guard in those gaps. You see, where we get in trouble is when we think that the enemy is dumb. Right? When we think the enemy is weak. Or that the enemy would, would not do this to us. We, we find ourselves... Um, we start saying, I would never do that. Right? I would never cheat on my spouse like that, like they did. I would never find myself in that situation. In the words, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little funny. In the words of the songwriter Justin Bieber, <laughs> never say never, right? I threw that in there for all the people my age that still love Justin Bieber. Anyway, so, all right. So the enemy is not dumb. Our enemies are out there. Satan is out there. And they are plotting against us and the kingdom that we are helping to build. God wants to hear you and to answer your prayers. Always be ready, but always be praying. See, my wife is reading, uh, reading a book right now um, called Fervent. Is that right? Yes, Fervent. Uh, and she knew that, uh, that I was preaching on this, and so she, she, was, she was able to share this with me, and I want to share this with you guys. Um, uh, the quote out of the book goes like this. We simply don't have the luxury of playing nice with prayer. Not if we want things to change. Not if we want to be free from whatever is keeping us held down and held back. 
Not if we want our hearts whole and thriving and deep and grounded, if we want our hearts to be different. Not if we want to reach our, in, our, our destinies and experience God's promises. Not if we want our spouse and children living out what God has called them to do and, and be and become. Not if we want a fence of God's protection around us. Not if we want to bear the unmistakable mark of his favor upon us. Not if we want the devil and his plans to go back to hell where they came from. But none of that is going to happen as long as prayer remains an afterthought, a formality, a mindless mix of duty and manipulation and something we do but usually don't do. See, the first thing we need to do, church, and not the last, is pray. Second we see out of this text is um, there, need, there needed to be unity. You have to think that you had Jews from all over all over the region coming back to a place um, that they were rebuilding. And they were excited to come back, yes, rebuilding, rebuilding other walls. But these were people that had got accustomed to the places that they lived prior. And now were coming back out of exile to a place where their families had fled from several years before. And I was reading this, this, this text and I was thinking of the confusion that it might have, might have caused. And uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble for my mom right now but, or, and dad. But uh, I, was, I was thinking about a, a, a Christmas get-together that we had this past, um, past Christmas, right? Um, there's a side of the family that uh, we don't, we used to get together a lot. We used to do things uh, all throughout the year. See, dad's already shutting down. Um, but... Uh, we don't need more. Things change. Uh, people get older, and, and we'll just we'll leave it at that, right? But um, this past Christmas, uh, uh, the family rented out. By the way, if y'all have never been to the JSU Fieldhouse, it's 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 a good place to go. It's it's really nice. It's got a nice setup. There's a lot of history there. The history players, really really good place to go and and have a uh, just a good time. But when we got there, Holly and I were late. Of course, we're always late. And they, they started eating without us. So I kind of, when I walked in, I'm thinking, thinking family get together, like, right? You know, big table, everybody together, laughing, sharing stories. You know, we haven't seen each other since last Christmas, right? Um, but no. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Dad. We, um, there was little tables all over the, the, the room, and they were all separated, and so everybody kind of ate over here and they were with their family and I had a little table for me, Holly and Mason. And so I'm like, well, I, I see these people every, every day. I mean, I, I want to, I want to see, I want to see everybody, right? I, I want to see what, what's going on. Uh, well, they were all quiet, right? They were all quiet when I came in. I don't know if you, knew, you guys know me or not. Uh, and I'm not a quiet person at all. I, 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 I pride myself on the loudness that I am and I apologize. Uh, my son's the same way. You know when he's coming in the room. You know when I'm coming in the room. I used to get paddlings alone because I entered the room loud, right? When I was in school. It just it was a part of part of who I am. I can't fix it. Right? I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, so what do you think I did in this quiet room, right? As I was fixing my food I turned around to the furthest guy all the way on the other side of the room and I said, Hey Grant, what's up? As loud as I could. And it didn't help anything. It didn't help anything at all. It only got quieter. And it was just, it was not good. All right? This family did not like the loudness that I was portraying that day. So I quietly went back to my seat and sat with my family. Had a great, great dinner. Great dinner. Anyways, so 
just imagine that confusion. You haven't seen these people. You haven't seen your family, this kind of, this, this family in a really long time. Years, right? And they're all coming back together. So there's going to be confusion in that. So Nehemiah had to unite them somehow, right? So what did Nehemiah do? Nehemiah knew of the attacks that were coming. Several of the Jews that lived near them came and told them that, right? Uh, different translations uh, uh, in verse 12 uh, said that um, the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They had to be prepared for an attack from all sides, not just one spot, right? So verse 13. So in the lowest part of the wall, of the space behind the wall, in the open places, I stationed the people by their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. You see, Nehemiah knew there were weak points in the wall. And plan accordingly. We should do the same. So I ask you this morning, what are some weaknesses in your life? Is it greed? Is it lust? Is it laziness? See, we have to put up guards on the weakest part of our walls to withstand the attacks of the enemy. And I'm not talking about physical, I'm not talking about walls that shut people out. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the walls that help us find our, that help us find ourselves in situations that will not lead us to sin. Seek out godly wisdom from people that, that may have gone through the, what, what you're going through. I say this all the time, and I'm not sure if I made this up or if I read this somewhere. I'm going to go ahead and say I read it somewhere, but if I, I did, all rights belong to me. Just letting y'all know. But I always say never forget your past, for your past could help someone's present. And I believe that. I really do. I believe that each and everybody's, each and every one of, the, one of you guys in here's past could ultimately affect someone's present. Could help them whatever they're going through, whether it be a, a loss of a child, a, a loss of a spouse, a divorce. That's what we're here to do is to help, to build up. So the next thing we see here is um, he had to motivate the people of God to come together and take a stand against the worldview of the prevailing cult cultures around Jerusalem. You know, see, these were people that had also brought back with them, talking about unity, brought back with them pagan worship from the land they dwelled in. So we see this in chapters later on. Unity was a hard fight for Nehemiah. We are no different. We have to take a stand against the worldview that surrounds us today, right? But we must be unified in doing this. You know, worldly Christianity seems like it's taken over, right? So it seems like everybody these days is a Christian when they want to be. Like late night show hosts, news anchors, actors. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're not. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But it's really hard to believe that they're a Christian when they, one minute they say they're a Christian, and the next minute they're poking fun of a Christian who is taking a stand, taking a biblical stand for something that is, that is right and that is, that is found in this word. And I'm not talking about just a stand. I'm not talking about a, a just a, I'm a Christian and I believe this. I'm talking about a biblical stand. There's a difference. Uh, and, and we need to know that. We need to protect ourselves against that. You know, I'm, um, 
You see, there's, we know that there are going to be attacks outside the wall. But when the opposition is inside the wall, when there's opposition inside the church and inside our community, that is where it will hurt us the most. You know, I, I was able to, um, uh, to go out. I was studying this past week. I was able to, to ride out just, just the back roads uh, right here um, and just to see how many houses were back there. It's been a long time since I've been back there. And I, I wanted to, and as I was driving by, I just, I thought to myself, have we done anything for the people that live there? Have we stopped by? Have we talked to them? Have we prayed for them? Have we told them that there's a God that loves them and that there's a church right down the road that wants to get to know them and, and wants to love them as well? And maybe we have. Maybe we have in the past. Um, I, I'm not sure. I haven't been in the office long. Uh, I'm not technically supposed to be in the office, but uh, I was anyways. And, but know this church, that part of my responsibility here at Iron City as your outreach pastor, uh, that will be something I'll find out. Because uh, I believe it'll start right here within these, these roads right now that, that, that'll start this community to get back uh, building the wall with us. You know, getting back to the point, we have to be unified. We have to try and unify this church and community because there are attacks coming. As I said earlier, the enemy is not dumb. They know our weaknesses. We have to be ready. Church, there will be attacks. There will be attacks inside the church and outside the church. Will you fight with us? Will you stand beside the elders and leaders of this church? As we say, follow me as I follow Christ. Elders and leaders, will you commit to lift others up in the church? And church, will you do the same to our elders and leaders? That we would not cause division among the church because we have enough enemies out there that will do that for us. We have to bring unity inside the church before we can ever try and bring unity to a lost and dying world. Commit to that with me because our Lord is great and awesome. And may we fight for our brothers, for our sons, our daughters, and spouse, and our homes. Third, we see here that we have to be willing to work and sacrifice. Read verse 15 through 23 again. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had a sword strapped at his side while he built. The, whole, the, the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. Also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. 
So although Nehemiah made careful plans to meet every possible crisis, his organization ability would have been useless without the radical sacrificial involvement of both leaders and people. You know, they worked throughout every available moment of the entire day. From the first light of dawn till the stars came out. Nehemiah and his leaders set a great example, right? To the rest of the workers. They even slept in their clothes. That is commitment, guys. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. And, uh, I have, and I, I've gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better. Trust me, having a son that spits and, and, I, and anyways, very, very dirty kid. He's a boy, right? Um, I've gotten a lot, I've gotten a lot better, but I still can't sleep when I'm dirty. I can't sleep when I'm, I've, I mean, unless I'm camping, that's a totally different, a totally different aspect of life. Anyway, so I couldn't do that, but Nehemiah did, and he, he set a great example for that. They slept in their clothes so that they were fully dressed and ready for any moment of attack. So this is the way we need to live our lives. John, this is the way I need to live my life, right? So to be willing to work, to be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to put away our wants and desires, and to be kingdom-minded that we would seek first the kingdom of God. There is a song that I sing almost every day. And uh, I'm not sure if, this, if the Kraft family wrote it. I think they did. Um, but I, I, I came into Sound Solutions singing it almost every day. And I apologize. I'm going to try not to sing it now. But I want to read you this. It's, it's called Through the Fire. Just the chorus of this. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy. And the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting. But he said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision. And the adversary says, give in. Just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will take us to the fire again. You know, I just kept thinking about that song. You know, we see so much prosperity gospel uh, in the world about how if we would just say yes to Jesus, that all our problems would go away. And that everything that we would, we would ever want in our life would, would come true. Like he's some kind of genie. I don't see that anywhere in these scriptures. I don't. And I won't. We won't. The people that tell you that that's, that's the truth, the truth is not in them. I'll tell you what I do see. I see Christians being beaten, tortured, and killed for their faith. And martyrs for the faith. The story of Christ's church across the centuries is an example after an example of heroism and sacrificial service. Many of the outstanding personalities in Christian history had to cope with immense hardship of one kind or another. They too proved that there was no service without suffering. Just to mention a few, uh, uh, John Calvin, teaching, preaching, uh, writing, uh, despite repeated attacks of, of cordon fever, tuberculosis, chest infections, and gout, Charles Spurgeon preaching sometimes at his best when he was in the darkest, deepest hole of depression. Church, there will be sacrifice. As we build the wall and fight, 
there will be sacrifice of some kind. This includes everyone, from our elders to the congregation. Maybe your sacrifice will not be physical. Maybe it will be money or time. Maybe it's sacrificing our time. Let's just let's, let's put aside money for a second. Let's just do time. We have several ministries in this church that need help, that need new faces and fresh ideas to get them back on their feet. We have groups of people that meet up and go to the, the detention center each week, or not each week, but uh, a couple of Sunday nights a month. Um, and I was able to go, go with them uh, this past, past time they went and got to, to minister. Hopefully I ministered to those kids. Um, but we have people in our church that do that several nights a month. And they go and they love on these, these young boys and young girls that, that feel like the world has just forgotten them, that, that they're not going to get out of their situation because of the place they live in or uh, the things that, that have happened to them. And I was able to share a little bit of my story with them and, and just their eyes opened. And I said, I was, I was in your shoes. There's, there's, no, there's no difference between you and I except I'm wearing clothes and you're wearing an orange jumpsuit. And I was able to hopefully minister to those kids and hopefully change some lives. And that's, what, that's all that, that these people are, are coming together and doing. They're, they're hoping that they'll change. They're hoping that they'll, they'll give them hope of some kind in Jesus. I invite you to join them. Uh, it's, it's a really unique trip. We have some that go to the county jail uh, and love on people that have, have been forgotten about in society. And I, I, I shared this with Andrew a while back, and I'm going to go ahead and share it now. But um, I was riding on the road, and I was seeing people that were picking up trash, different, different county jail people that were picking up trash. And I was, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I wonder how many, how many Josephs we've missed because we thought that they, they're worthless. How many people that we've overlooked because they're in jail? We, give them, we don't give them a chance. Maybe they didn't do anything wrong. Think about that next time you see that. We have places to serve right here in these hallways. We need servants that are working for the kingdom. Servants that desire to teach our children the love of God. Servants that want to come to the sanctuary just to pray. Servants that go out of their way to love the unlovable. But all this doesn't just happen or come easy, right? Church, we will have to work and we will have to sacrifice for the work is great and extensive, but the reward is eternal. So just as Nehemiah we too have areas that need rebuilding and restoration. No, it's not physical walls as we read in this text, but maybe it's a relationship that needs rebuilding. Maybe you have found yourself in a struggling marriage, not knowing how to even begin to fix it. I don't know what you may be going through this morning. But I know that just as we have read in this text, it won't fix itself. It will take prayer, unity within the body of Christ, and sacrifice and work. And finally, I will close with this. 
Our strength may fail us. Our burdens will be more than we can bear. Our hearts may mislead us. We will come under attack. There will not be unity in the church sometimes. One of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, Lord, what do you want me to do after reading this passage? May our prayer be that we would give, that he would give us obedience, a willing heart, a heart that responds with yes, Lord. Because nothing is too great for you. Nothing is too great for you to ask me to do. I will do the work with one hand and I will fight against the attack of the enemies with the other. As we do so, we would say with Nehemiah, as we build the walls, our God is great and awesome. Let's pray.